Stand with us and sing this great hymn of praise. Crown him with many crowns. drawn to this one phrase that we just sang right off the first verse. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee. Lord, we come before you and we want you, your spirit to quicken our souls, to awake our souls so we can sing of your great love, your great grace. Uh, we'll sing a song later that talks about the, the depth, the unfathomable depth of your wonderful grace. We can't even imagine. And Lord, extends to us. We give you praise, and we give you thanks, and we just want to this morning, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, if you would um, 
your attention be drawn to the pew back there in front of you, you'll see one of these uh, connection cards, these blue connection cards. And so this is a very important uh, time for us as a church to know who you are if you're visiting with us for the first or second time. We'd love to know who you are. So please uh, fill this out. And our connection team has a, a token of our appreciation out in the lobby. If you take this to them right after the service, they would like to get to know you, give you, a, a, a like I say, a token of our appreciation. And then there's uh, the rest of us have a... a a prayer card here, and we will be faithful to pray for those. So please turn those in, either in the offering plate or at the connection uh, desk there, okay? Uh, all right. We, uh, she is not present with us, uh, I, I'm told, but in, in our church, we have, uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm saying this right, a centenarian, uh, a 100-year-old member, Alice Hughes. She's been a member here for 52 years, and uh, we are honoring, or the, her family is honoring her uh, at a uh, reception. Uh, she she was at Sunday school, by the way. She's she's going home to rest, so I can relate. I mean, I'm I'm not quite you know a centenarian, but I I rest before and after a party myself. So anyway, but. Uh, so, so she's going home to rest so she can be at her reception at 2 o'clock today. So the church is invited. It's sort of a come-and-go type of thing and uh, just to honor Miss Alice Hughes. So be sure and be aware of that 2 to 4 this afternoon. And then another thing I'd want to, to call your attention to, uh, how many remember uh, our very own Nathan Murphan growing up here at First Ozark? Okay, many of you do. Uh, he is now the worship pastor at Boulevard Baptist in Springfield. He and uh, a few of the churches have come together. We've got five choir members from our choir going. Uh, there'll be about 40 or 50 in the choir uh, tonight at uh, First Baptist Springfield. It's called, uh, Requ can you show that? Requiem for the Living, okay? It is a gorgeous, majestic piece of music. It's very classical. Uh, it, will be, uh, it will be sung in Latin, although on the screens you'll be able to know in English what we're singing, obviously, because that wouldn't help anybody to... We'd be going back to the Dark Ages if we just did everything in Latin. Um, but, but they're using the Latin text because, just to remind us, that even back then, th those texts of Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, uh, were, were still very biblical, very deep and wonderful text, they just got to a point where the average congregant couldn't understand what they were saying, you know, what they were saying right? And so, but we're going to go back to that and uh, just the beauty of that language. And uh, so we invite you to be a part of that uh, tonight. First Baptist Springfield at six o'clock. All right. Well, let's, uh, we're going to re redo a song we did last week. We taught you last week, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just praying that you, you know, sing it better now. Uh, but no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it really, <laughs> it, it just fits so well with what Brother Phillips is going to bring to us about our walk with the Lord. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's worship together. Oh, Lord, my rock. Ah. Uh -huh. 
is found in you alone. Your grace, a well too deep to fathom. Your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom. My According to scripture, walking is wise. And this song reminds us of that. We learned it a few months ago. Let's walk worthy of the cross. Walk with 
we come before you now and we want to continue this time of worship, this time of sacrifice, of praise, as we give of you what you've uh, blessed us with, Lord, financially. We give it back in tithes and offerings, and Lord, we pray your blessing upon it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Well, good morning. Just a special thank you from Natalie and I. We greatly appreciate all the prayers, texts, cards that were given to us in my dear friend's passing. Uh, We often think that emotionally we can tackle anything, and then it becomes so visceral that it makes it kind of difficult. And that was certainly one of those times. Thank you for the prayers, for traveling. And uh, I always say that when you're preaching and you get emotional and you cry, you can, you can kind of make it. But when you're singing, that's a different story. It really is. And so I am so grateful to the Lord for endurance and the gospel going forth and honoring my friend, but also honor the Lord, and just thank you for your prayers. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, some more housekeeping. When you, if you want to look into this particular sermon I'm preaching again, or even if you don't, you've heard it once, right? Um, in the description link on this particular video, you will also see something that Jason has added. And it's a sermon by, by Vody Bacham called Gospel Clarity. Um, I would greatly encourage everybody in our church, uh, some of you that walk and others that work out in the weight room and you're in your car a lot, whatever that may be. Natalie and I listen to it on the way home along with several other sermons by Owen Strayan about God needing men in the church and men needing the church. And those were great too. But Vody's sermon is one that you need to listen to. It was preached a few months ago at the Shepherds Conference at John MacArthur's church in California. And actually Chris McGee was present at that particular conference. But I would encourage you to listen to that sermon, okay? Y'all got that? All right, let's talk about walking carefully. I need to put my glasses on. I knew something wasn't right. Y'all look blurry. Now y'all look great. All right. So Ephesians 5. The next paragraph begins in verse 15 and carries down through verse 21. So I'm not preaching all of that in this particular sermon. But let's read it all for context. Verse 15 of chapter 5. Look carefully Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that look like? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I've listened to some of you sing. We're going to have fun when we talk about that one, right? Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Suppose for a moment that you had an opportunity to meet Jesus face to face, this side of heaven, right? 
And you were given the opportunity to ask him one question. What would it be? What would be your question? As you read through the Gospels, you find out that the disciples had opportunities to ask Jesus questions often. They asked him questions about healing of the sick when they saw him heal the sick. They asked him how to pray, which is a beautiful thing to do. Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. They asked him questions about theology. But there came a moment when they only had one more opportunity to ask one more question. Do you recall that particular time? Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and he is about to ascend to his throne where he is today. And they have an opportunity in Acts 1, verse 6, to ask the question. Here's what their question was. At this time, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, it would have been nice if Christ would have said, yes, all of the work is over. I'm going back to the right hand of my father. And as, as soon as I arrive there and I'm enthroned as king of kings and lord of lords, you can just enjoy a vacation. I'll make sure that every element of the known world recognizes who I am. Furthermore, we'll write a, an official announcement across the sky. Then I'll send angels to every remote part of the globe to make absolutely certain that everybody knows that I am now king of the universe. You fellows, you disciples, just take a rest. Go back to the grandstands and enjoy the game. Is that what Jesus said? The answer was really like this. It's none of your business when the kingdom is going to be restored to Israel. My father has his own timetable. As far as your business, you are to be my witnesses. Y'all remember that? That's exactly what the Lord had to say. And our king right now is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he has absolute all cosmic authority. He does. That's where he is. He stands over and above all the governments of this world. However, his kingdom is invisible right now. Have y'all figured that out? Not everyone knows about the kingdom. Most live as if he's not king at all. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've forgotten this or not, but it's your responsibility to make the invisible the visible. It's our responsibility. This is why the Bible calls you the light of the world. Every single person in this room that is a believer has a mission. Don't think for a moment just because you're not preaching the sermon that you don't have a mission. You have a mission every day you go to your job. You're called by God to be salt and light. You're called by God to arrest corruption and dispel darkness. Every single day. You have a sphere of influence. We're all missionaries in that regard. Doesn't mean you went to seminary and got a degree on frontier missions or domestic missions. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about a necessary vocational call. But there is a call of God upon every believer to be a witness for Christ. Which in turn is being a missionary. Now, the reason I talk about 
Jesus answering this particular question about restoring the kingdom to Israel is to remind all of us in this building that we live in two ages as the people of God. We are people who have already been seated at the right hand of Christ in the heavenly places. Let your eyes move back over to chapter 2 verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Folks, do you realize that's where you are now if you are saved? You are seated at the right hand of Christ. But we're also people who live in this age. We live in this tension of the already and the not yet. Let me put it like this. We live in between this incredible event of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension. And we're in between that incredible threefold event and the, the age the Bible calls that is to come. We're living in between the already and the not yet. Well, I hope you figured out in Ephesians 5, Paul is giving us directions on how to live in the last days. How to walk. In chapter 5, 1 and 2, you are called to walk in, say it, agape, love. You're called to walk in love. Beginning in verse 3 and on down, the Bible would remind us that we are called to walk In the light, because you are light. You were dark, you are now light, walk in the light. Today, we're picking up in verse 15, which is the last time in the book of Ephesians that Paul will use that Greek word, peripateo, which means walk. It's the fifth and final time, the word walk, how you conduct your life. In other words, it's how you live your life for the Lord. So it was love, light, and now wisdom. Anybody think we could stand a little wisdom in walking in this world? Not as foolish people, asafas, but safas, as wise people. So chapter 5, we'll be, began it with love. In the middle, it was light. And here we learn to walk with wisdom. In the coming weeks, we'll talk about We'll talk today about walking not as unwise, but as wise. Next week, we'll talk about not foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then we'll talk about not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Spirit. And I'm sure every one of you is interested about that one, right? So, walk with wisdom. Walking with wisdom. What governs it is this little phrase, look carefully. Blepate. Watch, look, look carefully. It has the sense of urgency and eyes wide open, being alert and awake and walking with wisdom. Thus, the title of the sermon is Walking Carefully. So, the word walk is then modified by a participle which conveys the means by which we are to walk. How is it in the text? By redeeming the time. This is so incredibly important. How do you walk intently, urgently, watchfully? You do so by redeeming the time. That's the heart of the sermon. It expounds on how to live wisely in this present age in which we live. So Paul tells us to walk redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word unwise refers to one who lacks the power of proper discernment. 
Is this not all too often the case when it comes to professing believers today? We claim one thing, but when we actually go out and live the life practically, we really show that we're unwise because we don't have proper discernment that we should have. It means to live foolishly. However, the text says, be wise, and that refers to practical wisdom gained from insight in God's will and God's word and God's workings. I like how Andrew Lincoln says it, and I quote, To live as a wise person is not just to have knowledge. A lot of Baptists have knowledge. But it is to have skill in living, to have the sort of perception that authenticates itself in practice. In other words, if you claim one thing, you need to actually live it out. And so your lifestyle of discernment will authenticate that you're truly belonging to the Lord and thus walking in wisdom. With regard to walking in wisdom, I think we can learn a lot from the Proverbs, can't we? About wisdom. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to go there for a few minutes. Chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And chapter 14, verse 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. So we may ask the question, how does a believer actually gain wisdom? If you're still on chapter 14 of Proverbs, look over at verse, chapter 13 and verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. James reminds us that God gives us wisdom when we ask. And I know the context of that in James is when we have trials. And we're trying to decipher what that trial is about. And the Bible says if you lack wisdom, ask. Paul tells us in Colossians 2 verse 3, an amazing scripture. In Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom found. Isn't that awesome? In Christ are all the treasures of wisdom. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, you know this story, right? Don't build your house on the sandy land. Y'all know that song? You build your house on the rock. And Jesus uses the terminology, asaphos. You are a fool. The fool builds his house on the sand. But the wise person builds his house upon the rock, which ends up being the word of God. We can flesh that out with a psalm. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And the scripture says, he shall be like a tree. Here's the resulting stability of that kind of life. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, and whatever it does, it shall prosper. 
Its leaves shall not wither, right? It'll prosper. So, again, I'm trying to get you to understand that this is the particular wisdom that the Bible is instructing us on. And we have to read the Bible. We have to get God's Word grafted into us in order for us to have proper discernment on what it really means to live wisely and not foolishly. Next, the text says that a wise person redeems the time. Y'all know what the word redeem means? It means to purchase by paying a price from the slave market. It is literally the same word for our redemption, that Jesus bought us from the slave market. That's the word redeem. But it actually has a prepositional prefix which has the idea of buying back or buying up time. You, you're buying up an opportunity. Look how the ESV says it. Making the best use of time. That is the particular meaning. Here's the question, folks. How do you buy time? How do you buy up time? The word for time is not your typical word for the clicks or ticks of a clock. That's not what this particular word means when it says redeeming the time. It actually indicates opportune times or times or seasons. Epics of time. In other words, we're talking about opportunities. Here's the, here's the meaning. Make the most of the time that God has given you. In that particular time frame when you're living, not ticks on a clock. Make every effort to use your opportunities wisely. Why? What does the text say? The days are evil. And to say that the days are evil is not simply an assertion that we've got declining moral conditions. But do we? Oh my goodness, don't we? Actually, when it says the days are evil, it is an... I know this is a big term, but I'm going to tell you what it means. It is an eschatological term. Eschatos means end times or future times. When you see that particular term, it's not just speaking of the moral condition of the day. It's talking about the particular era that we are actually living in. We're living in between the times of the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension in between. And we're waiting on that future age which is to come, which will be inaugurated with the second coming of Christ. So the days are evil as a reference to this present age compared to the age to come. Now, aren't you excited about the age to come? You ever get tired of sin? Amen, right? So the age is to come. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 1.4. This proves this. Paul said, Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our, our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Paul has two ages in mind. The present evil age and the age that is to come. This present world has been invaded by the age to come. Folks, when Christ came down from glory, what an invasion that was on this present age. Now, is it all that it's going to be? No, but Christ has entered this present age. He inaugurated his kingdom, but we're still actually present in, a, in an age that is marked by evil. If you can't figure this out, then you're an ostrich and you've got your head stuck in the sand. This is the present age that we are living in. Paul could say, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, 
are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans 8.18. Do you understand? We're dealing with epics of time. We're dealing with this present age that we're in. Between, let's just say, the cross event. And we're looking toward that future age. Christ has come with all of his glory. He's not waiting to be king. He is already king. But the visible part of his kingdom is not magnanimously put before us yet. Okay? It's coming in the future. And we're here living in that particular time frame. If that's not enough to remind you, think about chapter 6. Paul is going to tell us as believers, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 he says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Is that not the age that we live in? Among whom you shine as lights in the world. FBCO people, do I need to remind you that we live in a time of warfare not peace. We don't live in a time where we ought to be strolling, but striving. That's the heart of the scripture. It's time to aggressively shine as lights in this world, overcoming the darkness, which is actually passing away since the cross event. It is passing away. Now, here's the question. How do we redeem the time? How can... Let's ask the question, can we waste time? Let's ask another question, can we kill time? You know, I'm just killing time, right? Can you make time? How many times have you heard people say, I just wish I had a little bit more, right? The truth is, you can't add one more millisecond to a day. You can't. Yet Paul says, redeem the time. So as we move from the heart, right in the heart of this sermon and going toward the end, let's think about time in two things. First, if we're going to redeem the time, we need to think about the biblical perspective of what time is. Right? And then secondly, we need to think about the urgency of time. Because that's what's in this text. That we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. And to walk watchfully, alertly. So first... Jonathan Edwards said, time is precious because our eternity depends on how we use our time. Is that a pretty awesome statement? I think it is. Redeem the time because time is that little tiny space that God gives each of us, every one of us, before eternity. So think about this. The scarcity of something is what makes it valuable. So let's say up front, time is short. Time is short. The scarcity of it makes it valuable. Time is short and time is scarce. We do not know how long it will last. So here's my encouragement. Stop and consider how many times Solomon will mention time. And in regard to that time, he will mention how it is fleeting in the book of Ecclesiastes. Fleeting time. James chapter 4 verse 14 says, what is your life? For you are a midst that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I, last night I went outside to grill. 
And only in Missouri in May can this happen. But I was sitting in my chair watching the grill, and I went, smoke came out of my mouth. And it wasn't from the grill. Neither was I smoking a cigar. What was it? It was that vapor. It was cool out there. I watched my chief, my dog, and Bill, my other dog. What a great name for a dog, right? Bill and chief. And, and Bill, you know, I see that vapor coming out of their mouths. And I thought, wow, that's exactly what's in this particular sermon today because it vanishes away. As soon as I lay my eyes upon that vapor, it was, it was gone. Redeem the time because eternity depends on it and time is short. You don't remember this, kids, but your mom and dad held you in their arms when you were a baby. Let's fast forward. Many of you in this auditorium have attended your parents on their deathbed as they died. And boy, it seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Folks, think about this. Time is short. Young people, don't be deceived. I've always told my children, and Timothy will remember this, and Merritt, and Nathan, don't desire to grow up too fast. You don't really realize that all those things that you want to do are really not that glamorous. The driving, because that means insurance. The fender benders, because that means you get in trouble. And all these things. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but you do all these things, and then you die. I'm serious. You know, folks, think about time and think about how short it is. And think about how we need to have a perspective that there are many things that this world has to offer you that are really overrated when it all comes down to it. Right? Now, I know God gives us joy all the way through it. And I know we're supposed to be thankful. But I'm trying to get you to see that time is a flash in the pan when it comes or when it compares to eternity. So time is short. Time is also uncertain. We have no idea what the next hour is going to bring. Do we? We don't know where our lives are going to be. Or where it is on the hourglass of time. You ever played some of those games when you have the little hourglass. And you flip that thing over. And at first it seems that it goes down pretty slowly. But boy when it gets toward the end. Everybody's wanting to get the last answer question in. It just goes. <laughs> It gets down toward the end, it just flies off of there. And it's gone. We don't know how much sand we have left in the hourglass of time. You may have only a few grains left. And listen to me, young people. That's true if you're 10 or 80. You don't know. There's the uncertainty of life. The Bible would remind us that time is uncertain. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Most... Make the most of the time that God has given you because you can't assume on time. Many have witnessed their world being turned upside down with just one single event that happened so fast. And our response was, boy, I didn't see that coming. And you know this is true. Our lives are different at that moment than they were 25 minutes before that time. We all can think about that. We simply do not know what an hour will bring. So the shortness of time... The uncertainty, how about this? Time is precious because when it is past, you can't recover it. When it's gone, it's gone. Now, I know most of you watch Back to the Future. Or you've watched some kind of movie about going back in the future. But that's called fantasy. That's not reality. Once an hour is gone, you can never get it back. Here lately, 
more so than the last five or six years, I check in on my retirement every now and then. And you know what I'm finding? I'm going down the tubes. I don't mind telling you, I've lost $50,000. And I'm like, whoo, this is bad. You know what my hope is? Lord, let that thing turn around so I can recover. Right? That's not true with time. You can't recover it. It, It's not going to go up and down with the stock market. When you lose time, it is absolutely gone. Let's try not to just kill time. Amen? Or waste time. We need to try to make the most of time. I like the ESV. Make the most of every opportunity that God gives you. Buy up those opportunities so that we can do good to others and glorify our God. Now, how often do we do this? You do it in here. We're at the tyranny of time so often. Bad place to be checking your watch in the worship center. Amen? But we do that. Why? Because... One of two things happens to me and you. We're either prodigals of time or we're held captive by it. And we should not let either one of those things take place. We need to redeem the time. Why? Because time is precious. What does that mean for those of you who are lost, unsaved? You do not know the Lord. What does that mean when we see something like redeem the time because the days are evil? Well, you may be young, you may be middle-aged, you may be old. Realize that your life is short and then comes eternity. Let that sink in to everybody in this room. Time is short, eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. Please be stopped in your tracks at the thought of the reality that you have a soul that will never die. I don't care what your philosophers tell you. I don't care what world religions say about reincarnation or annihilationism. Let me just tell you folks, the soul will never die. Be stopped with that reality. Your body may be eaten away with cancer or you may die by heart failure. No matter the mode of death, when you're laid in that ground, I tell you the truth, your soul will never die. Have you stopped long enough to think about this little blip of time on earth that we have? But eternity is so long. Eternity is so long. Weigh this truth in your soul. Your soul will never die. Your soul will never cease to exist. You will live throughout endless ages. Please come to grips with that. The time you have here on life is so short compared to the age that is coming. Do not trifle with God. Do not trifle with time. Eternity is right around the corner. I submit to you, I think this is true. We see it in the rich man who's in hell and torment with Lazarus. And he, Lazarus is in the bosom of the Father and he's desiring a little water on the tip of his tongue, right? He's in torment. I think it would be safe to say there's perhaps millions who are suffering in eternal hell that wish they had one more minute. They only had 60 more seconds of life to be right with God. Can I remind you again? You won't get that time. It's gone. Lost person don't trifle with time because... You're on the brink of eternity and you don't know what this life will bring. 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. This is the appropriate time to put your faith and trust in Christ and Him alone. God has given you the chance to be right with Him. Right? It's a time to be forgiven of your sin and clothed with the very righteousness of Jesus. Clothed with His righteousness. This is the time that God has given you in a very real sense. This time frame will determine your eternity. That's why it's important. Repent and believe while today is still today. Repent and trust Jesus Christ only and his work on your behalf so that you could be saved and trust him. What will we say about those that are saved? Now for the lost, repent and believe the gospel. Time is short. What about saved people? Which is the, basically the context of this. Okay? He's talking to believers. He's telling us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Well, what would I say to you? Well, I'd say don't throw this life away. You're going to look back on this life from eternity. I don't think God's going to wipe this life out of your mind. Just think about that for a moment. We're going to look back upon this particular life. So use it up for the good of others and the glory of God. Amen? Some of you are looking at me real strange today. I hope it's because the Holy Spirit of God is fingering in your heart and making you think. I hope you're not lost in thinking about the cards playing today. And I don't mean lost spiritually. I mean just not with me in here, right? I hope that you're thinking of this, how important it is. Use up time for the good of others and the glory of God. We also need to value the age that God has put us in. All right, don't pass that statement off lightly as just a filler. You need to think about the time that God allowed you to live as a Christian on the face of the earth. Don't you realize that you live after the cross? You understand what that means? You are more blessed by God than the two million Israelites who saw God Almighty part the Red Sea. You're more blessed. You live in the Messianic age. You live in the time when God lives in you if you're saved through the power of his Holy Spirit. Understand the age that you live in and live as light, live as salt in this particular time. Can I encourage you strongly? Stop being ashamed of the gospel. Don't be embarrassed by the Bible. I'm not embarrassed one bit that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. I'm not embarrassed that God created them male and female. Don't be embarrassed by the Bible. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. It's the only thing that can save a soul. Don't, don't be embarrassed by that. In a world that has gone woke, I'm wondering how many Christians are actually awake. Just a couple amens. I mean, I'm wondering, look, the scripture reminds us to wake up. It reminds us to be alert for a particular reason. By God's grace, he's called everybody in this room, if you're saved, to be salt and light. That's what he's called you to be. And in the midst of that, you need to have confidence in the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. God will do it. He's got the goods to get it done. It is the power of God unto salvation. Let's not be guilty of promoting a gospel of affirmation. Did you hear the words? 
We're not here to promote. You don't go to work to promote a gospel of affirmation where everybody has their choice of what they want to be and who they want to be. And in order for you to really love them, you have to call them what they want to be. That's a gospel of affirmation. That's not a gospel of repentance. The Bible teaches a gospel of repentance. Let's instead have gospel clarity. Let's be clear about what the gospel is. The true gospel is a gospel of repentance. Amen? It's a gospel of repentance. 2 Timothy 4.3 Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. He's talking to the church. And will turn away from listening to the truth. What does it mean to have an itching ear? Just tell me what's convenient for my, for my question. Give me, give me that which is convenient to my ear. Look, folks, God has called you to be salt and light for a particular purpose. The most unloving thing we can do is not tell people the truth. You shall know the truth, and it shall make you free. It is the gospel alone that changes the heart. It is the power of God, the gospel. Please, listen to me. Have confidence in the gospel. It's the only thing that can change a heart. It's the only thing that can open the eyes. It's the only thing that can remove the callousness from the heart. It is God's gospel. As a matter of fact, that's what it says in Romans 1. It's called the gospel of God. It's not the gospel of man. It's the gospel of God. To God be the glory. As believers, let's make absolutely sure that we live in such a way that we are salt and light. Now, if we go back to Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love, right? We can do that without compromising the gospel. We can do that without compromising repentance, which is a necessity for anyone to be saved. After Peter preached perhaps the greatest sermon ever preached, what must we do? What did Peter say? Repent, believe, and be baptized. That's what, that's what the Bible says repent and believe if you are a believer today my, my call to you is please commit not to waste time we all do it I'm guilty let's buy up those opportunities wherever God has placed you and let's make sure that we live in such a way that we don't waste time that we understand that we are salt and light and live that way and if you're lost today this time is short folks trust Jesus Believe the gospel. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves sinners. Lord, thank you for the word that says in Hebrews 9, 26, that you came to bear the sins of many. Lord, that's why you came. Preachers need to preach the gospel. And the gospel is you came to bear the sins of of many. Lord, help us in a day of affirmation that we stand with the gospel and the truth of the Word of God. Give us boldness, Lord. Give us courage to live in such a way that we make an impact in this world with the opportunities you've given us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's stand. Brother David's going to lead us. Let's sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and mercy embrace. There the Son of God gave his life for us and our measureless debt was erased. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Jesus to you. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes to the hillside, turn your eyes to the hillside, where justice and mercy embrace. There the Son of God gave his life for us, and our measureless debt was erased. Thank you, brother. Did we miss anything, David? Don't forget about two to four is the Miss Alice. She's lived a century, 100 years. And if you have an opportunity to drop by today, that would be a blessing. That's where it's going to be. Meeting room A and B. All right. Well, God bless you. No church service tonight, but if you'd like to be a part of, what is that thing called? Requiem. That was Latin to me. All right. <laughs> it's Latin to you. God bless you. Let's sing together. You rose. You rose, the grave and death are conquered. You broke the bonds of sin and shame. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, may all your days bring glory to your name. May all my days bring glory to your name.